Hey there, I'm Alan Furstenberg. And this is Mark Tucker, and welcome to Two Voice Devs. Two Voice Devs. How is it going, Mark? Oh, man. It's, uh, I don't know, ups and downs, but but, yeah. but good. I, I hear you. It, it seems like it's been it's been one of those weeks for me. You know, it's just, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know where the day goes, but I get a lot done. And it just seems like it just keeps going and going and going. So, but it's, it's always great to talk to you. I, I look forward to the, these moments that we have. And uh, also I've got family that's that's in town. Um, no, it's, so it's great that you're- It's good. That your family's in town. Mine's, mine's coming into town a couple of weeks. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Yeah, so good, good, good things all around. Yeah. It's, um, I gotta, you know, it's been interesting the past, uh, well, by as as we're recording this, the past week or so, um, be a little longer by the time it finally comes out, watching people reacting to uh, the latest from OpenAI, and that's ChatGPT. It's been interesting watching what people have posted and the discussion and the debates around it. Been... There's a lot of people posting lots of different things, trying different things out. Um, uh, it's kind of fun to, to see kind of what gets generated. Um, yeah. So I, I guess let's talk a little bit about just generally what is chat uh, GPT, right? I'm just trying to figure out how those letters go. Yes, GPT. Um, and what does that stand for? Um, I looked this up a minute ago. <laughs> Generative pre-something pre-transformer. Pre-trained. Pre-trained transformer. All Generative right. pre-trained transformer. And and what that basically means is that it's a it's a large language model that's been trained on a absolutely massive data set of, of conversations of stuff from the internet um, right. and trained on what conversations look like in this particular case. And that's kind right. of the notable feature about chat GPT versus uh, previous models that we've seen from open AI, you know, GPT two, GPT three, uh, the forthcoming GPT four and so forth is that in addition to being trained with not, you know, with, I, I won't say knowledge, in addition to being trained with patterns of information from the internet, it's also been trained with patterns of information about what conversations look like. Okay. So it's something that you can give input to and it will generate an output. It's been pre-trained. It's not, it's not like making, it, figuring out things on the fly, going out and grabbing information no. at the time that you're making the query. When you're making the query, it's saying, let me take about take a uh, look at what I already know and let me try the best I can to answer the question. Now, because it's, so, and it's been pre-trained. Right, to do that. And, and, and that's actually a really, really important point. And we'll probably talk about that a little bit as we go on. Um, all it knows about is stuff up through September of 2021. So okay. anything that happened after that it does not know about, and it doesn't maintain an active internet connection, so it can't go out and get more information. And and the, what it generates could be true. It could um, be a complete well, work of let, fiction. Let, let's get to that in a minute, because that's actually okay. I think a big a big part here. What All it right. generates is a response, so it's trained to carry on a conversation. Now okay. that could be a conversation where you ask it a question and it gives an answer. You could ask it to create something like a poem or 
create five paragraphs of something and it will reply with that. And then you can continue the conversation and say things like, well, okay, what would that be like, you know, written in haiku? What would that be right, like written as a limerick instead? Okay. So it has this, this notion of conversational context and history. And that's a big okay. part of what's new here compared to what we've been playing with before. And what I've noticed is, is sometimes I've asked something and it, and it gives a longer answer, but it only gives you part of the answer and you have to kind of hit enter for it to kind of finish. Cause I guess it maybe makes API calls and just gets segments of answers back. So and yeah, it, up the whole answer right? behind the scenes, it's making an API call to its own servers to, to do this. And you can make those calls directly actually. You know, if you wanted to, um, it's been well publicized what the the endpoint is for you to to send a request and to, and you'll get the response back. Um, and people have done just that. You know, so there are uh, Twitter bots right now where you can send something to this and it will tweet back at you. Um, you there are plugins for Chrome. There are command line plugins, so you don't need to use the web page that they've provided for this by default, you can use a variety of other means. And people are putting that to some very creative uh, creative applications. But there is a cost associated with it to after a certain point, right? Right now, there is not. Okay. This is very much an early test platform. Um, so right now, it's free. One assumes they're going to start imposing a cost sooner or later. Yeah. But uh, I need to find the tweet, but I believe somewhere they said that it's costing on the order of pennies per query, though. Okay. So, you know, it's not a huge expense at this point to to do what they're doing. That said, they've said they're experiencing some performance issues because of just how many people are using it. And they've been working with Microsoft to, to scale up the resources on Azure, which is where it's oh. running. There, there was an interesting comment I saw on Twitter from from Tom Hewitson over in the UK saying he can tell a noticeable difference when it is, you know, morning, I don't know, 8 a.m., 9 a.m., uh, California time, uh, because it, it, it slows things down dramatically. Yes. So. <laughs> um, and I think it's really, you know, one of, it's really interesting just how much use it's getting. One of the the stats they, they gave out was that it reached uh, 1 million people, 1 million different unique logins using it in just five days. Oh, wow. That's which is, yeah. drum, you know, it's massive. Um, what, do, what, so, do, what do you think the appeal is? I think the appeal is, well, when you actually use it, it does a really good job at carrying on a conversation. And people aren't used to that. You know, they're yeah. used to Google or Alexa having these kind of short conversations with brief answers that eh, more often than not aren't very good um, or asking Google a question and getting a long answer back, but that being the end of it, yeah, the conversation notion really appeals to people. And then the notion of being able to build up a query by asking more detailed questions is good. So, you know, you could say things like, what are the 10 fastest animals? 
and it'll give you a list of 10 of them. And you can say, tell me more about that second one. And it'll give you more information about it. And you can say, well, where is it found? You know, and, and you know, how many of them are, yeah. you know, you can, you can keep asking follow-up questions or even, you know, change the, the subject veering away from it based on what you just heard. Okay. Um, and I think people are finding that really appealing. Plus, there's a, there's an aspect of, of, of it just entertaining. Like, what is it going to come up with? If I think of something totally crazy to ask it, what is it going to say? Right? Oh, sure. I mean, there are lots of people that are um, that are doing that. You know, like I said, uh, you know, what would the Gettysburg Address sound like done as a limerick? That's, you know, quirky yeah, is, and fun. Um, yeah, that is quirky and fun. I think a lot of people are also kind of tossing questions at it from tests you know so i've seen university professors say i just gave chat gpt my final exam from last year and here's how it did or people who are administering mm -hmm. iq tests to it to measure what its iq is oh that's interesting so these are you know people are, are kind of by the way its iq is averaging around 87 so it's you know not quite performing at the level of the average human yet. Um, Definitely not Mensa level. No, uh, and that's and that's in some ways interesting on its own level. Um, but also listening to you know professors talk about the answers to that it's giving me some of the questions. Uh, this gets into the it's a well trained system for answering, not necessarily a well trained system for giving the right answer. Yeah, and it's and it's kind of broad and varied. Like I've seen where, like some crazy question was like, um, write uh, like like a, a C plus, a C sharp program that calls a Python program that calls JavaScript, which adds one plus one, and it came up with something. It wasn't exactly what was asked, but it it returned code. Um, which is interesting. And then you like uh, got at the other end where it's doing poems and, you know, rhyming or, or things like that too. So it's, it's kind of got a pretty, um, you know, wide breadth of, uh, of content that it's, uh, it's been pre-trained on so that it could generate lots of different things. Yeah. But I, and I like the way that you put it, it's got, you know, it has a breadth of information that it was trained on to give a wide variety of answers. Part of the problem, you know, you 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 fortunately skirted around saying it knows this because it doesn't yeah, know. Yeah, it does not. Doesn't know anything. What it has is a lot of patterns, and it's very good at repeating patterns. Yeah, um, and and you and, and we you know we had mentioned so let's I guess let's let's talk about it head on is that what's been what what it generates could be complete falsehoods. You could ask oh. a question from history in such a way with combinations of things and it could tell you something that's completely did not happen right i mean I, right. I you know one of my uh you know i've seen again those same professors will say you know it gave back a really good looking answer but the more i looked at it the more i realized it either didn't answer the question or answered it wrong and just hid the fact that it answered it wrong yeah um at one point i asked it a question about uh, if I, I, I had posed it in the, the, the terms of if somebody, um, 
was able to cut a cord of wood or yeah, cut a cord of wood every day. How many cords of wood would it cut in the year 2020? And it answered, well, that depends on how many days there are in the year. And I'm like, huh? Don't don't you know how many how many days, days are in the year? Right. Yeah. So I and if asked you asked, it, right, so yeah. I asked it straight out. How many days were in 2020? And it said quite confidently there were 365 days in the year 2020. So it didn't put it didn't put those two thoughts together to well, come up with the answer. A, it didn't put those two thoughts together to come up with the answer. B, there were 366 days in the year 2020 because it's a leap year. Oh, sorry, I didn't even catch that. Like I said, it sounds perfectly plausible, but it's wrong. Um, <laughs> and then I would say things like, well, what is a leap year? And it would give me the definition of a leap year right down to exactly how you compute it. And I'd say, give me some examples of a leap year. And it would tell me that 2020 was a leap year. Uh, so, you know, depending on how I ask the question, it either doesn't know how many days there are, knows the correct answer, or knows the wrong answer. How do you trust? And, and this is a simple question. This was yeah. not meant to be a tricky question. Yeah. When you get that, so, how do you how do you trust it for anything? Yeah. No, I haven't tried this, but if if two people were to ask the exact same question, let's assume that we're going from zero context, like you haven't had a conversation, and you both start from the very, you know, very beginning and ask the same question, do you get the exact same answer back? No. Or you may not get the exact same answer back. And okay. I know this because a couple of reasons. One is that um, it does have a button called try again, which will re-ask it the same question. Oh, okay. Um, and two, I've, you know, I've asked it a question and then opened up a brand new session and asked it the same question again. You know, I was, uh, I was, I was actually looking for an answer the other day about how to do some configuration in Apache. And I said, let me ask it and find out. And it gave me, again, an answer that looked completely plausible, but was wrong. So I tried it several more times. Yeah. And all of those times got an answer that looked really plausible, but was wrong in different ways each time. It's in, yeah, it's interesting. I'm wondering if it's just it doesn't know enough context from the question. It's it's not smart in any particular domain. No, it's not. So it and so so if 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 that's um, the thing, or like I, I guess I'm thinking of um, Stack Overflow. Is it only gleaning the correct answers, or is it gleaning correct and incorrect answers? For I don't even know if it's if it's if it's you know crawling stack overflow there's I don't a know. lot of evidence that it is crawling stack overflow one okay two and I'll, I'll mention this as an aside stack overflow uh no longer allows gpt answers on the site and the How reason no well you can tell in some cases <laughs> and the reason why is because it is generating a lot of bad answers yeah um, and there's no good way for somebody, unless you are a subject matter expert, to dig into it and know whether this is actually a, a real answer or not. So it's just kind of a waste of 
time and resources. Right. To... Well, the other problem is that it's a waste of time and resources, and it now makes Stack Overflow a poor resource for training such things in the future. You're contaminating oh. your own resource pool. Yeah. Ooh, that would be right. You know, so you're feeding in generated answers to build up the next generation of generated answers. That's not a good thing for AI. No, no, that would be that would, um, sounds like a path to uh, to the end. Somehow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, in this particular case, though, you know, in, in the case of my Apache question, I think what it was is there's a lot of info. You know, the the answer is correct for an older version of Apache. Yeah. But I had specifically, you know, requested about the most recent version of Apache, and it was still giving me the old answer. So, again, these are the patterns that it found, and these were the patterns that matched, and these are the patterns that it's going to give. Yeah. Um, and that's I, I think that points to the 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 pitfalls of using large language models is that they're really good at patterns, but that's all they're good at. Yeah. So I've got a fun like um, activity to do. I don't know if you were if you were, if it was like a, a family activity or a date or something. So feed um, chat uh, GPT with a couple of items, and they could be items that normally go together. I'm talking about food and items, ingredients, and uh, have it generate a recipe, and then bake the recipe, taste it. And then rate it and see how good of a job it did. I, I have seen people say they do this and that it has produced good results. Really? Excellent. I'm I wouldn't try it myself, but that's only because I don't trust my own cooking skills. Um but I've heard good results from from trying this out. Yeah, I had a, co a coworker say that he was uh that uh, he and his mom were asking it for like Indian food recipes and yeah. um and they seemed they seemed legit on the on the surface. He said they hadn't tried any yet, um, but uh, it's it seemed like it could be something that would be well paired together. So, now one of the interesting things that that I saw that's related directly to voice technology, um, you know, what, one of the questions we always have when it comes to conversation or conversational design is. You know, we're creating an awful lot of prompts to match to an intent. And then we're coming up, we need to come up with an awful lot of responses. And, you know, conversation designers spend a lot of time doing these sorts of things and still then monitoring what, what people are saying to see yeah. how we need to, to tailor them. Um, so watching Micah G, she published a couple of blog posts about training ChatGPT to do a, a transactional conversation. Her example was how to order a pizza. Okay. You know, if you think about it, you know, you may specify toppings, you may specify extra toppings, you, you know, there's a lot of variation in that goes into ordering a pizza. So she was out to see, could she get uh, chat GPT to respond well to that sort of a conversation. And it okay. took her a couple of tries in a few ways. 
Um, but she had a very, very reasonable looking conversation oh, to, okay. to place an order. Um, and I thought it was interesting, or not least of which because I was trying something similar. Uh, and what I was trying, though, was one of my issues with large language models and all of these conversational examples that we have is all they're doing is giving back an answer. They're not doing anything. Yeah. You know, I can't ask it to place the order because it doesn't know how. Yeah. Um, there's no... It, it, it can't send it out to a webhook somewhere. It can't send yeah. what it, you know, it can't turn it into an intent and send it out to a webhook somewhere. Yeah. So I was trying to teach it how to do that with some success. Okay, so you've used the word teach and train. And so I thought uh, GPT was already pre-trained. So when you say train, is there a way to to add to it and, and specialize train it? Or are you talking about train it by no. carrying on a previous conversation and kind of giving it context for a conversation? Well, there's there's a way to essentially give it a lot of context up front. Okay. And say, you know, and, and people have used some of this to kind of break it out of its, uh, some of its limitations that are built in deliberately. But you can, for example, say, I'm going to give you a sample of text and you give it a paragraph or something, and then ask it questions about that paragraph. Okay. And because that paragraph is now part of the conversational context, it can do some things about it. It's not always perfect, yeah. but these are ways that, that people have come up with with GPT-3, for example. It's called prompt engineering. How do you set up the environment so that additional things that you do evaluate you know use it to be to evaluate a response yeah so for example you know when i was in my um my ordering example i was using a, a burger shop you know i was saying things like um the user will place an order their order can either in uh, be for a burger or for a soda if they are ordering a burger, they can specify one or uh, zero or more toppings, including, and I'd list the toppings. Um, so that when later I would ask it a question like, can I order a French fries? It would say back, sorry, we don't have French fries on the menu. Oh, interesting. Or, you know, if I said, I want to order a soda, it would say, what flavor of soda do you want? And do you want small, medium, or large? And if I said I want a large soda, it would say, what flavor large soda do you want? You okay. know, so I could sort of create slots, kind of. Yeah, kind sort of. of. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then say, you know, when a user has placed the order, here is what I want an API call to look like. And when you send that API call out, you will get back a JSON object that you can use in your reply to the person. So, you know, when the person says, I'm done with my order, it knows to call the finished order API call. And it gets back a JSON that gives a total value. And it says back to the customer, your total is whatever. So, but that requires literally in my case two pages worth of instructions 
at the beginning of a conversation. Oh, wow. Detailing things like, here is the menu, and here are the various toppings for the menu, and here's what the API looks like, and here's what the parameters in that API look like. And, you know, so giving it all of that information. But it handles some of it really well without having to be told. So, for example, I told it one of the flavors of soda is Coca-Cola. And I specified it as Coca-Cola. Um, but if I go and say, I'd like to order a large Coke, it translate, you know, it's able to send to the back end size, large flavor Coca-Cola. It's interesting and it's interesting to play with, but I feel like it's got a long way to go. Yeah, no, I I, I think there, so there's going to be some initial interest and kind of buzz. Um, and then there's going to be people that are going to really try to figure out how to pra- make this practical and use it. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting to see where it goes, but I don't think it's going to change anything terribly radically in, you know, in the next six to 12 months, at least. Yeah, I agree. I know there's been a lot of talk about this in the voice community. Love to hear your thoughts and feedback or, you know, wacky examples or good examples. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, and you know, share that with us. However, you, you uh, normally reach out to us on uh, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, uh, comments here in the, in the podcast or our uh, YouTube video. So uh, we would just love to, to get feedback and see what you're doing with it uh, and what things you're learning. Um, and we can maybe talk about this topic in a future episode of Two Voice Devs. Two Voice Devs. Take care, everyone. Take care, Ellen. You too, Mark. Have a good week. Later. You too.